Bad in a Podcast, sponsored by Flyro. Podcast, what is going on? Look quickly before we start this piece of audio gold. I quickly want to tell you about Garden Club, GDN Club. It's available right now. As part of membership, you'll get a weekend breakfast podcast inspiring you while you eat your cornflakes to get outside into the garden. You'll also get a monthly behind-the-scenes video with a make-to-create gardening idea to do with the family you'll get the digital version and the audio version of the how to get kids gardening book you'll get a private and exclusive community area which means that you can share ideas with other members of the club and instant access to me which means you'll be able to message me and i will instantly get back to you answering your questions it's all available right now for 39.99 a year which is about three pound 30 a month which i don't think is too bad all of this supports getting kids into gardening and supports the podcast too plus if you are a school and a teacher that means you get it for free so there's access to absolutely everything from garden club free for teachers if it sounds like something you'd like to be part of or want to find out more hit up skinnygenegardener.co.uk forward slash gdn now let's get on with the podcast Right, welcome back to the show. How are we doing this one? Right, okay, so tonight we've got Matt Biggs on the show, who should be popping up anytime around now. Uh, so if you're watching, you've got a question, then please ask him in the comments. He should be able to see it, I'll be able to see it, and I'll be able to ask him. In fact, as if by magic, he's here. Hello, Matt. I can't hear you, Lee. Where are you? <laughs> oh, God. Time for your dinner. Matt, Where can you hear me? You? Can, can you, I don't know if you're winding me up or not. Yes, you hear me? Camera mic. There we go. It's coming. You're in the show. Everyone can see and hear you, but I can't see or hear you. Can you no. hear me now? Can you? Uh, okay. I'm just oh, going to get my, my daughter, oh. Chloe. Chloe? Um, it might be my fault. It could be my fault. Hang on. Where are you? It probably is my fault because I didn't do the put the default mic. Try again. Can you hear can you hear me now? Um hello Matt. Are you there, mate? I'm here. Hey, I can you, hear you. You can hear me? Do you know what it do you know what it was? It was just a piece of magic. It was an on switch. <laughs> wow! Well, now, 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 now you know Lee, my relationship with uh, technology. Oh, well, I was and, a little uh, bit. There's, a, there's an on and off switch here on the side, and that makes a difference as to whether I can hear you or I can't. It's as simple <laughs> as that, but obviously too complicated for me. It might be my <laughs> fault, mate. It might be my fault. How are you, man? Hey. Yeah, I'm all right. Yeah, not too bad at all, thank you. Not too bad yourself. Yeah, good dudes. I feel like I've got a fly problem. Um, which well, we've got around about. your head or in your trousers? What is, <laughs> no, around my head? Uh, I don't know what's going on. I think there might be a dead animal in the studio somewhere, which is not ideal. But that's not really I your problem. Is it? No, well, I can't wait for it to land right in the middle of your forehead. I'll wait. I'll wait for the moment. It will happen. The, <laughs> they have they have the knack, don't they? Flies. They uh, you know they do have a knack of landing on awkward spots. Well, we killed twenty uh, yesterday in the studio, so that's not ideal, is it? 
Well, I do think there's probably something dead in there. Uh, are those 20 flies in there when you're there or not? Just saying. No, it's nothing to do with me. <laughs> uh, mate, I feel like uh, I've not seen you in such a long time. Well, no, that's probably because you haven't. And I've missed you, Lee, I have to say, because normally by this time of the year, we've seen each other loads. Uh, never get tired of each other, mind you, which is extraordinary. But we've seen each other loads and caught up with the gossip, started a few rumours and uh, finished a few as well. Yeah, sure. What have you um, What have you been up to, mate? Like, what What have you been doing this year? Well, do you know, it's been a funny year because um, I haven't been out much, actually. The truth be known, I've been out in the garden um, and doing a lot of writing, uh, gardening, uh, writing, and then a bit of gardening, really, and then a bit of writing. Yeah. How um, have you got? I don't know if you get this, but I have, uh, and a few other people that I speak to have overdone it in the garden, like almost. You know how gardening is a, it feels like a treat when you actually get to go out there? But this year, we've had so, so much time to do it. I feel like uh, I've I've overdone it. Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose that you can too. I mean, well, one of the things that you find is that if you spend a lot of time in the garden, the garden almost looks like too managed. So the yeah. garden can't sort of breathe and do its own thing, you know, because it is a sort of a living organism, isn't it? You know, you know, the, the grass is growing, doing its thing, and your veg are growing, and your runner beans, uh, the lettuces start to expand. So they're all living a life of their own. And if every time you go in there and interfere, you know, they're, they're, it almost seems as though the garden hasn't got room to, to breathe. And I think that's almost the kind of thing that's that's been happening. It may become over-manicured, in fact, yeah. um, and lose the life of their own. And people have... I think there's one way to, to sort of chill out from that is if the weather's good, it's just go and, you know, take a chair outside and just sit and enjoy it. Enjoy that mm. garden. There, there seems to be this odd thing, isn't there, with gardeners, Lee, where they go, oh, well, I spent my whole life in the garden, as if someone's got to say, good on you, mate, <laughs> result. You know, and in actual fact, we know that you spend a lot of time in the garden, but how much time do you spend enjoying what you've done or, you know, sharing it with, the, with your, you know, your five friends? Because you're only allowed five these days. Sure, sure. Uh, not a problem for me. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is the that is the problem, though. Like I think, as gardeners, uh, I know that for me, especially, is if my garden's never finished, I always think I'm going to finish it, but uh, it never happens. So I'm always doing something. This year, at least, I've remembered to just chill for a bit and sit back and enjoy it. Yeah, I think that's the thing, isn't it? Because that's our, you know, our hobby and, and, and to a certain extent our workplace. You know, you go into your workplace uh, and you're always, you always see stuff that needs to be done. You know, if you, I suppose if you're a gardener who wants to be re to relax, you pick up your deck chair and go and set it out in the middle of a car park. You know, there's <laughs> no, nothing there that makes you feel you've got to do anything. Well, just think about it. Yeah. You know, so, uh, you know, there is a sort of, it is a two-edged sword, I think, with this. But nevertheless, yeah. working in there, I suppose, does make us happy and it's good for the soul. Uh, and it's and it's so great that so many people are, you know, getting into gardening and finding out all the wonderful things uh, that gardeners have been, I don't say keeping to themselves, but have, you know, have had in their minds for years. And I was I was hearing, you know, Lee, um, about three million new people have got into gardening this year. Three million. That's amazing, isn't it? That's a big audience for you, mate. Well, yeah, sure. They're about. They're coming. <laughs> yeah. sure. 
That's but, where but like, that's, I, that's, I think it's amazing. No, Corey, on a few, mate. So, well, I, I was I, just going to say, say it's it's with, with, three, with three million people. <laughs> you guys, ladies, and you ladies and gentlemen who are listening to the show, you can see why the, the conversations that Lee and I have where we're actually together with each other without a time lag just end up being a complete jumble and a mess. <laughs> and we're just proving it now, just how bad it is. But I was just going to say, Lee, um, that that it just goes to show the number of people who are benefiting from gardening and are really enjoying it and they're starting out. And, you know, the great job that you're doing with the kids as well, because the children, you know, the children will uh, get the sort of knock on from the stress of the parents. And also the lovely thing is, of course, as you keep on telling everybody and, you know, it says, says in your lovely book, you know, your fantastic little book, it's something that people of all generations can do together. And mm -hmm. if um, anybody who's listening this evening has not checked out your book, then check it out. Nine ninety nine. Hey, that's yes, great. <laughs> easy, easy peasy. Lovely Christmas presents there. It's really colourful and really nice. Uh, I'll pay you later. That's all right. <laughs> Let me just interrupt this podcast by saying that this podcast is sponsored by Flymo. Yes, Flymo. If, like me, you've had that final cut of the lawn and the lawnmower is stored away in the shed, that doesn't mean that gardening stops. And that also doesn't mean that Flymo don't have some amazing products to help you out throughout the winter. One thing that I absolutely love is the Sealink 20 volt combi pack 3-in-1. It's an interchangeable, lightweight and easy to use 3-in-1 gardening tool. You've got a grass trimmer, a hedge trimmer and a blower, which especially at this time of year when I've got loads of leaves in the garden is absolutely perfect for me. You know me, I absolutely love Flymo. They're an affordable and quality tool, which, when they're cordless like this, makes it so much easier just to get out of the shed and just get out there and get gardening. If you head over to flymo.com right now, it's free delivery on all orders over 45 quid. And so if you want to continue your garden adventure throughout winter, that is the place to head to. Right, let's continue the podcast. Um, you you must talk talking about kids and gardening i mean obviously your kids are a little bit older now but have they have they been home throughout this yeah well um my kids are a bit older so the ones that have been at home like chloe who's doing her a levels she's sort of busy working away but my lad henry i've got a lad henry who's uh coming up to 21 had to think for that, about that didn't i he's coming up to 21 and uh he came back from university and he was really lucky because he got a job in a, in a local garden so he spent, instead of being, and he's kind of a, you know, a physical kind of guy. So he likes his rugby and he's down the gym and he's really looking after himself. Well, to get a job in a garden. So he was, you know, mowing and trimming and tidying and, and surprising me and his mum with the kind of things that he was noticing. And, you know, he's a big lad. He's 6'2 and, you know, wide fella, big rugby playing boy. And he was going on about the beautiful flowers, you know, and the lovely sunsets and all. You know, and this is what people are experiencing. I know I was really chuffed. You know, I, I suppose, you know, your, your kids, whatever age they are, they'll surprise you by what they see and what they notice. And children, like you find with your, your olive, your olive will notice stuff and be aware of stuff that you, that you would either just take for granted, you know, just perhaps see and ignore. But to her, it's just like a real special adventure. Um, yeah. And I think that's what a lot of people are discovering on loads and loads of different levels, they're getting out in the garden. It's a special adventure for us all. 
yeah definitely I, I was doing some uh i was doing some weeding with her this, this evening and uh, i planted up a load of new grasses i don't know a good a good few months ago and uh she decided to start ripping, ripping them out and i at one point i thought do i tell her that they don't need to be ripped out or do i just let her do it and then plant them later i decided so to let her, do? i let her do it and plant them later I thought at this point she's not going to understand. She's only five. She's not going to understand the difference between the grass that is ornamental and the like, just normal weeds and grass. And at least she's getting out there and and getting amongst it. So flowers, if it's flowers, she won't go near it. She knows what a flower <laughs> flower is. Really tough one though. Really, I did. It's really hard. Well, I don't want to go around saying no all the time, you know. But you know, Lee, I think I think that's right. I think what you're doing is right because. Just let them get it, you know, particularly at this time of year, just let Olive gain amongst it. And, and anybody who's listening tonight and watching tonight, you know, if you've, if you've got little ones or, or relatives, nieces, nephews, let them get in amongst it. And the thing is, even if they do a little bit of damage with a lot of plants, um, then they'll regrow. You know, if they go around sort of breaking stuff off, you know, you might have to say no. But for the most part, you know, if they pull off leaves and perhaps pull up your grasses, well, you can go and plant those sort of quite happily again. And by the time she gets around there another time, you know, you might just say, well, tell, I'll tell you what, you know, let's go and pull some, you know, pull something else up or whatever it may be. But I think you're, mm. I think you're right. It's difficult because I think you have to remember, um, you know, when you've got a little one that it's, uh, if you want to encourage them into gardening, you just have to let them go. And I suppose the only other answer is to have, you know, I bet you've got this already because you're several steps ahead of everyone. Uh, is that you've got Olive's plot uh, and you've got Daddy's plot. On occasion, occasion she, she'll come and help you on yours because that's what children want to do. And yeah. uh, you know, if you want to get your own back, you can stop pulling up her plants. They, I see how she <laughs> likes it. She did. She, do you know what? I, I'm sorry, this is about you, really. But I'll just tell you. Today we put some bulbs in in the soil, and I just gave her the bag of bulbs. And to be fair, they weren't like spread out terrifically well but i wasn't rating her um so she was going she was popping him in the soil and going pat pat push i was like where did she get that from i said she must have done it maybe at school or something but she's going pat pat push like, i think the other thing is you know like, the kids are coming at it from a completely different angle to us aren't we we're, we're sort of you know we're adults who have got you know got been instructed or been told the right way to do it and i think the children are just doing it according to what their imagination tells them or you know perhaps what they've you know read in a storybook or, or yeah. you know like you say seen at school or something like that um so I, I think it's very difficult as an adult not not to interfere that's the most difficult thing i mean i suppose the answer is is that if she does a pat pat push and it goes in the ground and you can roughly work out where things are you can you know nip out at night you know lift them all up with a fork and plant them properly or something like that because the one thing yeah. that you do want her to do um and you do want the children to do is to see some results because the, yeah. the next the second part of the magic is when those little bulbs you know they're planted in the ground like you know little stone shaped um bulbs you know they look these odd things with no sign of life suddenly produce the shoots and the lovely flowers in the spring so i think there's probably a little bit of you know, a bit of uh, deceit going on there as well to make sure it has the right result at the end. Just don't tell her. But being in like gardening, did did you um, did you try and get your kids into gardening, or or was it something you didn't want to try and push too much? 
No, actually, Lee, do you know what, mate? I, I didn't. And pe I think people would think that you'd, you know, you'd really want them to get into gardening. But I felt, I mean, that if they could find something that they liked, I wouldn't necessarily, you know, if it was whatever it was, if they could have an enthusiasm or a pleasure from it and, uh, you know, help other people, whatever they do, if they got happiness from it. I, I, I reckon that even if they didn't do it for a living, then they would get pleasure, will get pleasure from it later on in life. It comes to a lot of people later on. And, and I'm still not sure, I don't know whether, I, whether I've said this to you, Lee, before, but, you know, in my quieter moments, I have thought and wondered whether, you know, how it would have been if I'd have just kept gardening as a hobby. Because though I love my job, I really love my job, and I'm lucky to have a job that, you know, really interests me. I still think there's a tiny little percentage of pleasure that's not there, uh, which I would have had if it had just been a hobby. So when I do it for a job that I love, it becomes more critical. So I look at my garden, you know, with my professional hat on, thinking, yeah. oh, you know, and you're, I'm always frustrated with my garden that it doesn't look the way I want it to be. So I think almost if you're a, if you're a gardener for a living, you then need to go and find another hobby <laughs> just to just to calm yourself down a bit. It's bizarre. Can you not? Can you not? Because obviously you do a lot of writing. Can you not split that as writing being a job, and then the gardening being, or is it because you're writing about gardening? in such detail that it's just the same people yeah. I mean I think it's you're absolutely right with the second bit it's all gardening and I would love it if I could split it I always had in my mind that it would be nice to earn enough money just to write in the afternoons garden in the morning or the other way around so just half yeah. days work you know not, not that I'm lazy or anything but I just <laughs> wanted to do oh you know turn off days a week writing and earning money and then the rest of the time gardening which is still learning and is still part of the job but because, you know, because I've got a wife and kids kind of thing. Sorry, they're not here. They can't hear. Um, <laughs> but because I've got a wife and kids, you know, you've got responsibilities. And so, therefore, you end up – I've ended up working much harder than I ever, ever intended. Um, mm -hmm. but, but I'm, therefore, also thankful that I've, um, I've got a job that I like. So it is a bit of a sort of a, mi a mix-up. But in my ideal world, I'd, you know, do half a day's work and then half a day's gardening every day. And I think I'd be I'd be better for it. That is the dream. I feel I've I've started to do not because I'm earning a lot more money, but I've started to try and do that a little bit. Even just get an hour in a day, just to potter. Because uh, especially with what I do is because it's quite screen ridiculously. It's quite screen based uh, for a gardening job. Um, yeah, you see that that's the thing with the with the writing because the writing takes ages. You know, that's been the frustration in a way. And um, the writing is, it's a really sort of um, long-winded thing. You know, I, I went and interviewed somebody about the garden. So, you know, I did that last week. That took me a drive up to see them, then interview. Then I, then for some reason, you know, Lee, my dad said to me when I was about 14, he said, I think you ought to learn to type. Right? <laughs> I was going, this was before computers, uh, before the abacus almost. And uh, I was... Um, I was thinking you're joking. I don't, you know, why do I want to learn to type? And he said, I think you should learn shorthand too. And I think he thought because there, were, there was no particular job that you know I was going to be outstanding at. I think he just thought, well, if he can do that. In those days, they had they had male secretaries. They had male oh. secretaries, 
Um, and I think he thought I'd end up being a secretary. <laughs> uh, I mean, you could see me in a miniskirt, mate, don't you? For, for now. <laughs> yeah, that was <laughs> but um, anyway, in those, in those days, that's what it was like. And yeah. um, of course, things have changed a lot now. Uh, but I learned to type. And so I transcribe everything. Then that has to be read and it goes back to the person. Then it comes back to me and they will have put changes in or I will have misunderstood something. Then I have to rewrite it again, which takes a loads of time. It takes me a long time. Um, mm. And then it goes back to them. Then they ch or invariably change it again, even if I'm just using the words they've used. Um, and then it eventually goes back. So it's a, this really long process. Um, and I think, sort of you know, it's fascinating because it's about plants. But the frustration is, you know, with something like this, you know, do you want to come on Skinny Jeans radio program? You bet, I'm in. <laughs> you know, but it'll be half eight till nine, you know, and at nine yeah. o'clock or what, if you are, go and have a brew, you know, go and get the kettle on, job done. So, yeah, the, the writing is quite, um, you know, hard work and concentrated, I have to say. Uh, and the problem is, is the deadlines. So if I didn't have deadlines, then I could do what I'd love to do because I just yeah. go, well. But the problem is, like you know as well, Lee, and all the listeners know, Another problem here uh, is that if you go out in the garden for half an hour, you don't. You go in for an hour. And yeah. that's, that's the other thing, isn't it? You wish you're out there, you go, oh, I love this. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that's where you stay. Do you find it, do you find it difficult? Because obviously um, through, through writing books and things, there's people that have to look over it. Like you say, it goes backwards and forwards. Do you find that difficult? And, and find people being quite critical about your writing because obviously you put everything into that piece and then it goes off and they say no this is wrong this is wrong this is wrong correct that do you find that difficult you know, yeah i really do because what actually happens is is that you write it from your heart and from what, what your experience and you just write it in your own style like the way you write it you know matt biggs writes the way he writes uh, and that's it and then of course you get an editor who wants to change it because they think it should be delivered in a, in a different way. And I've had stuff. There was one book that I wrote, actually, that in the end, I just felt it wasn't mine anymore. They chopped mm -hmm. and changed. Uh, it was a, it, uh, and they said it was too horticultural. I'll never forget that. It was oh. too horticultural. It goes, this flipping gardening book, right? You know, just a quick reminder. Uh, but uh, that's what they thought. So, you know, and... I found that I find that really hard, you know, and articles as well, because they have to trim everything to fit the columns. So if it's yeah. in narrow columns, you know, and they do it very, very well. But there are times when you think it's got your name on it. You go, but that's not mine. That's perhaps not the way I wanted to tell the story. So, I, yeah, I do find it frustrating been, at yeah. times. Your, fa your favourite, I know from, um, from like knowing you, that your favourite thing to do is like the research part of these books and meeting the people. It is. Do you know what, Lee? I love stories. I love stories. You know, if anyone's got a story or even if I can make a story of my own just to keep myself entertained, um, it's absolutely great. And I love doing things that are different. I haven't told you this, but um, the, the, the ladies and gentlemen who are listening, there's a, um, Lee and I know a guy called Jim Buttress. Right? And uh, he's, the, he's yes. the RHS judge who wears the bowler hat. And he was on... Um, Oh, he was on telly doing the Great Allotment Challenge or what have you. So he's really into his football. And uh, I spoke to him yesterday and I went to him, hey, Jim, mate, have you ever done this? And I got a phone call from someone saying, um, what are you doing this afternoon? So I said, um, oh, I'm, uh, you know, I'm doing a little bit at the village show, but after that I'm free. And I said, you know, why? How can I help you? And he went, um, 
well, we've got Harpenden Town FC have got a big football match going on. Uh, and it was a preliminary round of the FA Cup. Um, they'd, it was a sellout, 300 tickets. Uh, and they said, uh, would I be the stadium announcer? I'll flip it out some of that, mate. So I did. And I loved it. It was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. So it's reading all the names out, you know, telling them about all the COVID restrictions, you know, where they got the coffee and their beers at half time, you know, um, read out as I said, read out all the team sheets, gave them the score. Uh, but the thing was, I was expecting to go to the little, little stadium with a, you know, with a little desk and a microphone and tannoys around it. But but it was even more basic than that. So I stood in one corner of the pitch with a karaoke with a karaoke speaker, <laughs> you know. And the bloke said to me, "I mean, they left me entirely to decide, you know, what I should do. They just asked me to do it, you know. So it was me that decided I needed to, you know, deliver the, you know." Be careful to stay two metres apart and here's the team list and all this kind of thing. And to thank everyone for coming at the end and wish the team who won, it wasn't Arpent, and uh, wish them good luck. The bloke said to me at the beginning, he goes, where do you think we should stand? And I was going, well, the wind's blowing this way across the pit, so perhaps we ought to go up there. So, so my voice carried. But I loved it. That's the kind of thing that really, you know, keep it. I, I, my fee was a couple of pints. So I got a couple of pints. I was told it was going to be a burger and a pint, but I got a couple of pints and a lift, a lift home. But it's those kind of things that make life fun, you know, and interesting. And of course, if they ask me to do it again, I'd love it. Yeah. Uh, and it's those kind of stories. And it's so if you find interesting people, you know, my great gardener's book, you know, fascinating people did crazy and outlandish things, you know. Um, were really sort of obsessed by gardening and the, you know and I dug up these stories and it's the stories and the research that I love so I think you know if something keeps me entertained you know <laughs> gives me a bit of a laugh and a story then then I'm happy who would you say I know it's probably difficult for you to say but who's the who's the been the most interesting person that you've ever had to go and do research or go and speak to about about a book Oh, that's a fascinating big question. Yeah. yeah, that is a big question. Because the thing is that over the years, I've been really fortunate, say like with Gardener's Question Time, for example, to meet some amazing, really amazing people. Uh, for example, there's a bloke, there was a bloke called Roy Moxton. And um, years ago, Eric Robson, the chairperson of Gardener's Question Time, was reading a book called The Great Hedge of India. And I, uh, and I talked to him about it and I bought the book. And basically the British, uh, when they were in India, to stop salt smuggling, because there was a high tax on salt in one part of India. So inevitably, you know, people thought, right, we'll smuggle it through from somewhere else. So they built a hedge that was about, it's a hedge, it was a thicket, about sort of 30 feet wide or a bit longer in parts. And that's been like two and a half thousand miles long. So what? Uh, Funny enough was, they said to me several years later, would you like to go and interview this guy, Roy Mox Moxon? And I thought, flip it out, that's the, you know, about the Great Hedge of India. So I met him at the South London Botanical Institute in the library as an elderly fella who lived in a flat above uh, Neil's Yard, or near Neil's Yard in Covent Garden. But that's where he'd done his research in this beautiful old botanical institute. Lovely, lovely place. And we got chatting about this. Um, and uh, at the end of all this, he, he, I said to him, I was just chatting about him going to India because he loved India, obviously. He'd done all this research. And then he said to me, do you know, he said, 
I'm best friends with an Indian bandit queen. <laughs> what? He said, I'm best mates with an Indian bandit queen. I was like, you're joking. Yeah, tell me more. And apparently there was this, um, you know, she, this Indian lady who was a bandit. She had a group of, you know, 30 people um, around her and they mm. would rob and, you know, what have you. And eventually she was caught um, and put in prison. And he was fascinated by her, started writing to her and became really good friends with her. So when you get stories like that, you know, I, I'll never forget this guy going, you know, I'm best friends or, or I know an Indian bandit queen. You just sit there and go, flip it, eh, mate? Where'd you go from that? You know, um, and there's a botanist that I discovered when I did my great botanist book. And he was a, uh, a pirate and botanist, you know, continuing that thing. So when he wasn't sort of trying to capture Spanish sailing ships, he was taking notes about nature and tides and the birds and the animals. And I discovered that he landed on Australia before Captain Cook. And I think because he was a pirate and had a real bad, you know, obviously that's not a very good PR to have a pirate, mm. you know, discover it. You know? No. So they had this official royal, you know, party go and discover Australia. But, um, you know, actually, you know, this, this guy um, actually found uh, Australia before everybody else. That's crazy. No one ever talks about that. <laughs> no, uh, and uh, it was uh, his name's William Dampier, and the, uh, the reason I found out about him was I went to research another plant hunter, uh, and I went to the plant sciences department at Oxford University, and there was a delightful lady called Serena Marner uh, down there in the herbarium, and she was a very, very, very slim, um, sort of getting towards retirement, but almost like almost like translucent, but really, really quiet, incredibly helpful. And she looked as though she'd sort of spent all her life in a herbarium under lights, you know, or in the dark. You know, she looked as though she could do with a you know good steak and a blood transfusion and a holiday <laughs> in the sun, you know. But she was lovely. You know, she was an absolutely lovely lady. And I got on with her really, really well. And right at the end of the day, I just said to her, Serena, what, you know, I'm really into William Bob the plant hunter. Is there any, you know, is there anyone that really fires you up? And I'll never forget the transformation because her eyes lit up, you know, her face suddenly became animated. You know, she stood tall, smiled, and she said, oh, William Dampier, the pirate botanist. <laughs> I've got rid of him. And so she told me all about him. And I, I've, uh, again, done a, you know, did a load more research for one of the books and actually went to the place where he lived and saw the house where he was born uh, oh, in wow. Somerset, back in the church. You know, saying all about him. And he was so influential that Joseph Banks and Captain Cook, you know, the great explorers, actually consulted his writings on tides uh, and weather before they went and travelled to Australia. So you never hear about William Dampier, but he was another great one. Uh, it needs to be a film about him. That'd be an awesome film. It would. It would be a really, really good film because he was, you know, he as I say, he was, you know, he was... Capturing Spanish ships, he was, you know, uh, attacking the cities on the in Central America and down into Colombia. And when he sailed back from um, from Australia, he sailed back on a, a ship called HMS Roebuck that was so rough that it actually sank off Ascension Island. And he saved and he saved his, you know, pressed plant specimens. Took his plant specimens with him. They got yeah. to Ascension Island. He lived in a cave for three months, like lived that. And eventually, those pressed plant specimens got back to the University Herbarium at Oxford. And, and I've seen them. So I saw these 
pressed plant specimens that you know this lovely lady serena barner got out for me and she's she's just a fantastic lady she's just the best because she's you know so knowledgeable about this guy and so enthusiastic and, and i think the lovely thing about it is that she looks the least likely person to you know be fired up by it and that makes it doubly exciting and makes her you know fantastic lady to to know yes yeah yeah probably doesn't get probably doesn't get the chance to talk about it that often with such enthusiasm yeah i i suppose that's i suppose that's true but i but i was also really pleased that on that day i asked her you know right at the end of the day just before i was going we're packing up ready to go and it just crossed my mind you know i'm into this plant hunter surely she must be and in the end you know got a great story i've got some books to read about him um and i've got uh him in one of my books because he had to go in he had to go in yeah <laughs> definitely <laughs> how many books have you wrote now matt uh i counted i mean i've contributed to quite a few so there were the gardener's question time books um and uh i i've contributed or i've taken part if you like in 15 uh, and eight of those have been books of my own yeah wow. so that, that's a lot you know a lot of uh, a lot of writing but uh, and I would say the ones that I've I've done some big books. I wrote a book all about the Eden Project, and then I wrote a book all about the RHS. And I was really honoured, you know, really honoured to be uh, asked to write those books. You know, that was a real honour. But I have to say that the ones that I've enjoyed were the Secrets of Great Botanists, just because it's like packed full of stories and crazy people, uh, and the Secrets of Great Gardeners as well. So real, ca real characters, you know, real uh, pieces of history uh, and. You know, it's just lovely when you unearth a great story. Yeah, definitely, man. Um, Matt, I was going to ask you, I was just before we've got a few questions coming in, if you don't mind ask, answering them in a sec. But um, one of the things I was going to say to you was obviously through uh, lockdown, like you say, three million extra people have got gardening. And through what you do, obviously, with Gardener's Question Time, have you had more and more people ask you questions about gardening than ever? And does it annoy you? <laughs> Uh, yeah, do you know what? I'm getting loads of uh, gardener's question time. I think we're getting our standard numbers in. We're certainly getting a greater diversity of the questions um, and the people. And that's great. You know, that's absolutely great. But what I seem to be getting, because a lot of people who I know um, are, you know, enjoying gardening, I seem to be getting an awful lot of e uh, emails from people saying, can you add me this? What do you do? Which I'm really pleased to do. But certainly that ups my workload because I think everybody thinks um, they think that they're the only person asking that question. Yeah. So somebody would go, I know what I'll do. I'll oh, ask Matt, Matt, you know, so <laughs> Matt sits here getting one and then everybody else is thinking, I know what I'll do. So I'll ask Matt. So I've, I've been getting loads and it has been getting quite, uh, quite tiring. Actually, it's quite taxing. And uh, because I'm, uh, I'm uh, you know, I've just got loads on at the moment, but I'm always, I try and make time for, for people if I can, but it's sort of, I can start to sort of to wilt a bit under it all at the present time. But it's just so great that people are happy gardening, you know, good, good luck to them all. Definitely, man. Um, let me just have a quick look. Uh, are you right to, to answer some questions, Matt? Yeah, of course I am, chap. Yeah, no problem at all. Uh, Mark has said, can you ask Matt, when he was at Pershaw College, what uh, what he studied? I was at Pershaw 20 years yeah. ago. Right, okay. How did Pers how did studying at Pershaw shape his interest? It was a great time back right. then, and Haughty College is so much fun. Young people should consider it more. We have great Haughty co colleges in the UK. Yeah, top top man, Mark. Yeah, I was um, 
I did a national certificate in horticulture, nursery and ornamental. And uh, that was my uh, sort of basic training. And I'd say that was really from September till the following May or something like that. Uh, and it was great, great to go there. Pershaw in those days was Pershaw College of Horticulture, like it was when Mark was there. Um, and, uh, you know, it was it was quality. And we were very fortunate, I think, because the college has got a reputation. And that was one of the reasons why, you know, I was glad to get in there. So I, I think I think it's, you know, and the world has changed. I think it's a shame that we don't have uh, colleges of horticulture specifically uh, anymore. Uh, Pershaw does do horticulture and lots of other colleges do. But obviously, because of, you know, trying to keep going, uh, they have other uh, other courses too. So, yeah, so 20 years ago uh, at Pershaw, it would have been a, you know, a great time to be there. I mean, I have to admit that uh, um, <clears throat> I was there a little bit earlier. So I was there 83 to 86. I'm not. I'm not between eighty three and eighty six. Uh, that was nineteen eighty three, nineteen eighty two. But uh, yeah, cr cr cracking place. And how did it shape? That's an interesting question. I, I think because I was very early on in my career, I'd worked on a parks department. Um, I'd done a lot of sort of tidying and what have you, you know, and uh, basic stuff. And uh, it was. You know, it was just uh, really good to get somewhere where we learned about gardening. Yeah. Do you, do you um, when you left school, did, did was gardening one of the things you always wanted to get in, into straight after you left school? Do you know what, Lee? It, it wasn't. I had no idea. See, I left school at 16. I never wanted to leave. Um, I, I showed no aptitude for anything other than yeah. talking and having a laugh. You know, <laughs> I, I remember got on, uh, one of my school reports said, you know, Ma Matthew must learn that... Uh, you know, school is not just a social occasion. <laughs> I, just, I just enjoyed sort of, you know, laughing and mucking around with the lads kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, so I had no, I looked at all sorts of jobs, you know, and uh, I just, I sent out loads of job applications. And the one that came back was a clerk for the council. And I worked on the, in the housing department when I was 16 and got a tra uh, trainee clerk's job. Uh, but it, so it was a couple of, it was three years of, you know, being fed up and realising this wasn't the thing for me. And I used to help my mum in the garden, you know, just yeah. tidying up. And my dad would take us walks around the country when we were kids and show us, you know, the lovely, you know, teach us to look and see and observe and what have you. Uh, and I was uh, working on the 13th floor of an office block in Leicester and, you, and looked out one day and saw the guys sort of mowing the lawn. And it was a lovely sunny day. And I thought, oh, I wonder if you're able to be a gardener because nobody told you that. So I started doing, doing my own research um, at the um, at the careers office down the road, right. uh, and little by little, I thought, oh, you can be a gardener. And then I, I can't do maths; I haven't got a maths O level, so that held me back. Um, but in the end, I was able to get into Pershaw if I did a year's practical. So I got a right. transfer from the housing to the parks, did a year's practical, and that was effectively just sort of sweeping and tidying up and cleaning toilets and stuff. And that was a big disappointment. But I knew that I suddenly thought, this is what I want to do, and this is what I've committed myself to. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so it was. Um, uh, uh, but what was great about cleaning the toilets every day um, is that it's been a sort of a benchmark. So everything I've ever done since, I go flipping out. Do you know what? I used to clean the toilets every day, so I can yeah. honestly say I started at the bottom. Yeah, you see, <laughs> hey, I'm, here. I'm here all week. <laughs> Literally, I can yeah. imagine you've said that joke a million times. <laughs> <laughs> but but it, you know it is a good you know so I've been in the rainforest and I go 
Matt Biggs, you started out cleaning toilets every day, and here you are standing in a rainforest. You know, yeah. here you are, you know, going to these wonderful places, meeting these great people, seeing these great gardens, and you started as a toilet cleaner and a litter picker. Right. And also being a toilet cleaner and litter picker is a really good sort of motivation, a real kick up the backside. Because I tell you what, there's no way I was going to do that forever. No, no, that's, that's it's nuts, isn't it? Um, Richard asks, what tips can you give for someone who wants to write more about gardening? Well, I would say these days, uh, Richard, the lovely thing for everyone is that, you know, start a blog or what have you and get, because you have to learn to write. I, I, I did... Um, did English O level and got a grade C. So again, I was nothing, you know, I was no great checks. I've always loved reading uh, and I've always loved uh, the English language, but I was not greatly educated in it. So I would say start a blog. And the other thing is I'd say, do you do a lot of reading, try and understand how the language is constructed? Who do you think are really interesting, you know, people to read? Look at the different styles of writing. There's loads of different styles. Um, you know, if you read, if you read um, a ghostwritten autobiography, it's like in the first person. It's as though you can hear them talking. Um, uh, but whereas other things might be more instructional. So I would say to you, but I would also say to you, it's uh, it's it's no way to earn a living. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard graft. So have that, you know, get yourself a proper job, and then you know, have that as a you know the icing on the cake it, yeah. because if you depend on it it's quite it's quite tough and as we've stated already it's time consuming but what you must do is give it a go i think with any, anything that you fancy give it a crack don't ever deny yourself an opportunity because if you go oh, i'd really like to do that but i don't think i can well how do you know that you don't that you can't until you've yeah. tried it and you might find that it's not as bad as you think it is so have a crack at everything. Uh, and once you've had a crack, if you decide that it's not for you, then that's fine. But you go, I, I thought I wanted to do this. I gave it a go and I didn't think it was for me. But at least you made the decision afterwards rather than denying yourself the opportunity. And I think that's really, really important. Yeah, that's so true, isn't it? Um, just get going is the, is the thing, isn't it? Just get started. It is. I think you've got to be prepared to shut your eyes and jump, you know, sometimes. You know, yeah, like 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 this uh, football stadium announcing. Well, I, I had no idea what I was going to do. Well, this you could be a see. career change as soon as, <laughs> as football really comes back in. When they start letting people back in the stadiums, yeah. well, just Matt Biggs. Matt Biggs, yeah. I mean, that's the thing is, but you work it out for yourself, you know. And you could, you've always got a reference point because I thought, well, you know, what would you do? Well, the people will expect to hear the names of the teams. They will expect to be welcomed. They'll be expected to know, be told how long half time is. You know where they get their coffee. You know who's producing the nice. You know go and support the small businesses outside. You know the, you know the one way system through the clubhouse. You know, it's all this. It's, it's all important, mate. I mean, I've really gone into it in detail. <laughs> <laughs> Won't see you again next year, will I? <laughs> <laughs> I think the thing is, is the other thing you should say that I should say to people is be try and be within your capabilities. Do your best. Really yeah. always do your best. Don't take anything lightly um, and, you know, take a job seriously and, and and be professional. If, again, at the end of the day, you stumble and what have you, then that's fair enough. But at least you've prepped yourself, thought about it and, you know, done your best for folk. And they will re realise that if you go in and you go, oh, I'll just go and wing it, then you're likely to fall and you won't be asked again and people won't think of you. So set your own professional standards and try and stick to them. Definitely, man.
definitely. I must do that myself one day. Yeah, <laughs> I'll try. you think, and I've made a career out of that. Uh, final, final question for you, and this is one that I, I 100% have missed them. Um, uh, uh, Sean says, I've enjoyed having a break from visiting all the garden shows this year and spending time on the allotment. Has Matt missed the garden shows? Uh, uh, Sean, the old, uh, have I missed the garden shows? You bet. Yeah, um, I've uh, I've missed the company. I've missed seeing my friends. I've missed the excitement of the plants um, and the interest that goes there. I've missed seeing people being excited and, you know, the little sights of trolleys full of plants that people are going to wheel home and make themselves, you know, make themselves happy. You know, I've missed the, you know, the friendship, the friendship and the fun. One, one of the worst things about the current crisis is that it's fragmented society, if you like, and the kind of things that you, you know, you expect to do that make you happy and the things that you look forward to, gone. Anything that's exciting, gone. Now, any fun, gone. You know, so the the shows are really are really missed, and you know, let's hope they'll get it sorted. And even the village shows, you know, it's those kind of things. Lots of people are missing things on lots of levels. So yes. the sooner we can get back, the better. But I still think that even though we don't have all those privileges, we still have the privilege and the pleasure of gardening. So you know, perhaps not the exciting end of things, but thank goodness we can, you know we can still go out there, we can still plant and grow, um, and then just enjoy being out in the garden uh, and and. Another thing, can I just say one more thing as well that has occurred to me, that one of the great things you can do at the moment, you know, you can't do this and you can't do that, but one of the things you can do is go garden visiting. So go garden visiting. Uh, and uh, that's really brilliant. Yeah, I went to, um, I went to uh, before it started getting a bit worse, West Dean Gardens the other day. <gasps> Mate. Good gardens. It. I've never been before, but beautiful. Yeah, no, it's fun. I, I have mixed feelings about... Um, uh, West Dean because it's so fantastic that it's almost depressing because it's immaculate but it does yeah. a, does make you realize what you can do boy oh boy it's fantastic well do you know what I've been uh with Christine Walton you know uh lovely Christine Walton from the one show on Gardener's Question Time we've set aside like a day a month that we go for a garden visit because you can socially distance you've got something you enjoy you know you go off somewhere it doesn't have to be too far afield uh, mm. and it's a meet up with your friends so you there's nothing stopping you from getting uh, five other friends and meeting at a garden and going around a garden together and i think yeah. one of the problems is there's a lot of us have thought can't go out can't well, you know you, you've heard people say you can't do anything these days well hang on a minute if you think about it try and find things that you can do uh, and garden visiting is absolutely one of them you know or go to your local park walk around the park this is where the parks are important and if you can't get to the park just walk around your village and look at the front gardens or go into the allotments if you can and just go and see what people's growing for their veg with gardening there's always something you can do always something to get outside isn't there definitely <laughs> absolutely matt thanks so much for your time tonight dude oh it's an absolute pleasure you know and thank you everyone who's taken the time out to listen you know, I, wish, yeah. I, wish, I wish you know, I wish everyone well, and uh, you know, just keep gardening because with gardening we'll all get through. And uh, yeah. I'll catch up with you soon, Lee. Definitely, man. I'll give you a bell tomorrow. Right? Yeah, take good care. Look after Thanks yourself. You. Nice <laughs> to see you. Man. Cheers. Bye. There we go, everyone. Mr. Matt Biggs uh, on the show. Honestly, such amazing stories that man has. <laughs> and so it says, great show tonight, Lee. I knew Matt would bring up the pirate. <laughs> it's a great story. I need to read. I need to read more about that. I need to find out what book. I tell you what. After the break, we might have a little look. If you got any other questions tonight, uh, then uh, 
please get in the comments during the ad break. I need to have a little look at Matt's website during their break because I need to get, I need to find out what book that is that them stories are in. I think I know which one it is. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. If you did, let me know on the socials. And perhaps you'd like to tune in. This is just the best bits. Imagine the actual full show. We're here on social media, on Twitter, on Facebook, on YouTube, and on Twitch. Every Monday to Thursday, 8 till 10. So if you want to come on, if you want to chat gardening, that is the place to be. Thanks for listening. This is a Skin and Gin Gardener podcast sponsored by Flyro.